Welcome to episode six of the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official source for Olympiakos FC, Greek Super League football, and the Greek men's national team. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with Adi Bulubasis and Lamro Sirmos. Today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We've got some UEFA Nations League fixtures coming up for Greece, so we figured we would dive into the Greek national team, since there's obviously some Olympiakos players in there. And we also figure that a lot of our listeners are probably interested in this. A couple things to announce before we get into the meat of the podcast here. This weekend, we will have Steven Koduru from Hellas Football or at Hellas Footy on Twitter joining us to talk about the games that we'll be previewing today. This will happen directly after the Greece versus Kosovo game, which takes place on Sunday, September 6th. Additionally, Get ready for our first ad read on the Gate 7 International Podcast. Adi, what do you have for us? Lambro, have you ever tried to take anything to Greece? Maybe bring something to your family from the U.S.? Of course I have. It's incredibly difficult a lot of times. Well, maybe I have something that'll make it a little easier for you. If you need to move anything to Greece, maybe furnish a new home, send something to your family. Maybe you want to bring olive oil from Greece from your village, you know, that natural olive oil that Greece is famous for. You can contact our friends at Piraeus International. They're located in Baltimore, Maryland. They specialize in shipping to and from Greece. Doesn't need to be full container shipments. You could have a couple of boxes of things from the U.S. you want to send over, a couple things in Greece you want to send over here. They can take care of all of that. You can contact them at 410-675-4696 or email any questions to them at sales at Piraeusintl.com. That is Piraeus, like the port in Greece. And Peter, you know, when you finally go to Greece and see how much you love the country, you can set up your own house, use these guys to send whatever you want from the U.S., send it over there. Be just like living in the U.S., but in a paradise. Well, I was, I was actually thinking some of that homegrown olive oil sounds good. I don't know if uh, that's, that's easy to ship. Maybe I can get some of that up to Canada because I cook with a lot of olive oil, but it's, it's the store brand, so could be better. Anyway, um, more exciting news for the podcast next weekend. So that's Sunday, September 13th. We have yet another special guest, folks, and this one's going to be a big one. We have Konstantin Levoyanis, who is on Twitter at CLEVO275, and he is from Olympiakos EU, which is at Olympiakos with a C, EU, on Twitter. He's going to be joining us for what will hopefully be a post-match of the Greek Cup final, which of course was supposed to be last weekend, but got postponed. That episode will be out on Sunday, September 13th. We are all really looking forward to that one. And guys, let's start this episode off with some news around the league. So I don't know if you guys caught this, but uh, Paul and Smirny and Xanthi were playing games uh, for promotion or demotion to the Greek Super League. So Xanthi lost and has been now relegated. In other news, uh, in under-21 Greek national team, the coach released the call-ups ahead of UEFA qualifiers against Croatia and San Marino. Big games for the under-21 team. We have two players from Olympiakos, Rusai, former senior international actually, and Sambanis, who is a goalkeeper who's been in and out of the team. He was, I think, at Nottingham Forest on loan last season. But it should be said that there's a lot of players from Panathinaikos, which is a good thing for them. Moving on, uh, for everyone who was wondering, when is the Greek Cup going to happen? Something that we've been ranting about for a while now. The Greek Cup final has been confirmed for September 12th at Pan Thessalikos Stadium. And my biggest memory of that is, of course, a salute or drawing against Volos, I want to say, earlier this season. Terrible memory. As well as Ike and Palka, that weird cup final a few years ago, if you guys remember that there. And finally, there's going to be no delay to the league start. Great news. And uh, with that, I think it is a great time to get into the Greek national team. So obviously the squad has been released. There's obviously some familiar faces and there's also some new ones. So we'll get into some questions that we've received on social media. And what better place to start than the goalkeepers? So the three keepers that were selected were Barkas, former Ike keeper who is now uh, with Celtic, Diudis who is with Panathinaikos, and Paskalakis who is with Pau. 
A notable omission is Odysseus Vlacodimos, who is with Benfica and is traditionally thought of as Greece's best goalkeeper. We got a question on social media, I believe that was from Constantine at Olympiakos EU, about why he wasn't included. Well, to be honest with you, Peter, I, I, we discussed this on our last episode about teams maybe telling players or telling national teams that they don't want their players to go on international duty, and I wouldn't be surprised if Benfica, of course, who have that qualifier game against Pauk in a few weeks, said to John Van Schip, hey, could Vlahodimos stay out? We need him for these games. We're training. We have friendlies. It's something to look out for, but if nothing happens or if he doesn't get called up in a future squad, we may have to begin worry. but for now it makes sense. Yeah, I'm not really concerned about Vlahodimos not being called up here. I mean, Ben Chip mentioned in one of the press conferences that, you know, he only had the team together for a couple of training sessions. You know, if you have a team together, they haven't played. You know, a lot of the players might not have played for a while, you know, especially if the guys haven't played together in a while. He might pick some guys that have played with each other. You know, Barcas is going to be starting in goal, it looks like, and he'll be playing with guys like Bakakis and Svarnas. You know, if they're starting, that's half the back line right there. They're guys that have played together, communicated well. You know, Barcas has played with Stafilidis, you know, for the national team before as well. And he's going to be no stranger to Tsimikas as well. So he's going to look, he's looking probably at a guy that's played with almost everybody and can easily communicate. Yeah, and Barkas isn't a terrible keeper, it has to be said, of course. Yeah, and I, I also saw uh, one of the press conferences before the games. I believe that the manager, Ben Ship, was up there with Barkas, which obviously shows that uh, Barkas is a relatively important player to the team, or at least the manager views him as such. So that might be, obviously, Vlacodimos is a good keeper. And, and as you say, Adi, it's, only, it's a problem if he's not included in the side in future rounds. But it seems like he seems very intent on playing Barakas here in these games, especially, as you say, with Bakakis and potentially Svarnas in the team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another player that we got some questions about with social media this is a player that was subject of a lot of controversy when the national team named the squad was a guy nobody really knew, Lazarus Rota, at running back, or running back, sorry, <laughs> right back. Uh, fantasy, <laughs> fantasy football is getting to me now. <laughs> wrong football, uh, huh? Wrong football. <laughs> now, now, Lazarus Rota, I'll admit, I've never heard of this guy. I have never seen him play. So we took a little bit of a deep dive and kind of looked at him, you know, uh, in the Eredivisie, how he did. Uh, Fortuna Siddharth is not really a great club. They were in relegation zone almost, mm -hmm. you know, bottom table team in the Dutch Eredivisie. Uh, so when we looked at him, I kind of wanted to compare him to, obviously, the player he is going to be directly competing with, and that is Bakakis, you know. And neither one of them really stand out you know, these guys aren't Setaribis, these guys aren't Dorosidis. We have definitely taken a step back for the national team in this position. But it's important that the listeners know there is nobody else. We have a drought at the position. We literally have nobody else. If not this this kid Rota or Bakakis, it's Yanni Masuras. And he's not an option. Yeah. He's a head case. We know that. He's going to Poland right now, uh, you know, in exile until until he actually does something. Yeah, I don't yeah, even I was... know if he got called up for the under-21 team. Um, <laughs> who knows with him? Yeah, it's, but continue, it's not Peter. great. I was just going to say, Yanni Masuras is the only other right-back that immediately comes to my mind who is Greek. And yeah, he's he's not at the level to be playing for the national team. So we'll give Rota a try and see what he can do. I think it will probably be Bakakis starting, at least for Slovenia. But uh, Rota is probably the second choice. Yeah, and yeah. Someone, someone who played a right-back position for Greece in the past was, uh, we should mention, Panayotis Retsos, who, young, Olympiakos wonder kid, went to Bayer Leverkusen, but has struggled to play football through injury, through the bench. That's a case where we need help at centre-back and right-back. If he can get some sort of form, that would be great to have him back. And I think you guys will actually be surprised, because when you look at the metrics, the, the player metrics for Bakakis and Rota, they actually, it might surprise you that Rota isn't really that bad, or at least he's not, doesn't appear to be worse than Bakakis. Now, they're both, they both are very similar. 
Uh, you know, there's not a lot to really differentiate them. Bagakis is much more successful in aerial battles. That's definitely going to be something we're concerned with, you know, against corner kicks. We're not always going to be dispossessing, especially top nations. So we need somebody that's going to be very pivotal on set pieces. Our defense historically has always been like that. When you look at defenders that we had in the past, especially guys like Seth Aribis and Torosivis, those guys were incredible in the air. So Bakakis is like that, and that's kind of why Bakakis is really the mainstay in the national team. Now, where Rota separates himself from Bakakis is with the ball at his feet. He is definitely better with the ball at his feet. He doesn't get dispossessed as often as Bakakis does. He's much better at dribbling, takes the ball further, can actually dribble and take people on. Bakakis doesn't do that. Bakakis isn't a wing back. He's not a guy, he's not like Tsimikas, you know? He's not gonna take people on. If he makes crosses, it's because the line's pushed up. You know, he's not gonna be making a lot of overlapping runs. And if they are, it's gonna be to diffuse pressure away from the winger that's gonna be in front of him. Rota is comfortable taking defenders on. He dribbles way more and goes one-on-one -on -one way more than Bagakis does at least in the Eredivisie. He's much more successful with crosses and long passes, but Gaki's crosses, the, the metric was actually pretty bad in terms of how many crosses he's had and what's actually hit targets. It was like one cross had actually hit a target in his last four games. That's not that good. Uh, and especially for the Greek national team, which again, historically has not been super productive offensively. We need, we rely on wingbacks. We've relied on guys in the past like, Savelas, guys like Holebas, you know, and, you know, now Tsimikas who can get forward or even Dorosivis who could make those crosses get in and really apply pressure in the danger area when we had taller guys that could finish those crosses. Now, Bakakis is better defensively in, you know, in our defensive third with loose balls. He's really good at clearing out loose balls. Rota struggles a little bit more with that. He's not always successful. Uh, Rota is actually more successful though when it comes to player duels. So player duels is a metric courtesy of Y Scout, where if he is attempting to dispossess a player that has the ball or he gets into a duel with a player over a ball, um, Rota seems to be better at kind of either forcing them out or dispossessing them off the ball, diffusing that pressure. But Gakis is better in a one-on-one -on -one situation where a forward is attempting to directly dribble to dribble on him. So, you know, think you can think of events like when Cristiano Ronaldo is coming up, literally dribbling directly at a, a defender, and he does one of his scissors, jukes left, jukes right, and then makes away with the ball. Bakakis is better against defending in those scenarios, but when he's out at the corner trying to keep a defender from coming in or trying to diffuse pressure, he's not quite as effective as Rota. So they're a little bit different in that respect. And I will say this, Rota is young. He's actually, he's actually a young player. I'm not going to say he's, a, product, he's a, a prospect because he's not that young. You know, lower 20s, yes, but, you know, he's 23 years old. But there's something here. There's something that we should at least wait and see and not panic. And it seems like even now he might be sort of more of an attack-minded fullback, as you say, and maybe depending on our opponent, he might actually be the better choice. I almost wonder if we go with Bakakis tomorrow and then maybe Rota comes in against Kosovo, depending on how things go. I almost wonder if we see that switch depending on the opponent, because obviously against some teams, you might want a more attacking-minded player. Against other teams, you might want a more defensive-minded player. Yeah, I think that's a great comment, Peter. And also, Greece isn't playing any games at home um, this round, guys. So I think you usually try to work those younger guys in at home and just a less pressure environment, which these games are, to be fair. They're almost like friendlies, but yeah, just I want to jump into this conversation about right back. Bakakis, you know, we've seen him how many years now in Greece he's been around. You kind of just know you get a bang average fullback out of Bakakis. I'm sorry if I like offend any Ike fans out there, but you know, even Ike fans will say Bakakis is an average player. He's a good fullback. He does, he does things well, I guess, but he never really, he's not super fast. He's not super good in the final third. He's not the best defender in the world, but he just does the job, you know? So Rota's kind of an exciting prospect. Yeah, he's he's not very young. He's 23, but some of these guys are late bloomers who go to Holland and they, they really learn how to play attacking football in the Netherlands. And we've seen how many Greek national team players 
now who are in this team and in past squads go to Holland and really, really develop that technique, which was lacking for so long in Greece. It's also important to remind everyone that Bakakis, in a model that we have now with the, the players that are available to the national team now, Bakakis is a serviceable right back because we actually have some players now on the national team that can generate offense. If everybody remembers the time of Fernando Santos, when we had a midfield that was Karaguni Katsurani in their 30s, Geka Sapigidis, you know, we needed really good defenders, like, you know, especially defenders that could get really far forward, like Polebas or guys like Gorosidis, because they were generating our offense more than the midfield and the forwards. Were. Mm-hmm. We were a little bit disjointed on that front. Bakakis is serviceable because we actually have some midfielders now, yeah. especially with the advent of Garanopoulos when he came into the midfield before he got hurt. Garanopoulos Kobenz, Garanopoulos Zeka, you know, and then we have some exciting wingers now. Of course, there's Fortunis. We can't forget him. So he's serviceable. If he's a even if he's an average right back, if he's serviceable, can hold the back lineup, doesn't get dispossessed too often, and can just stop whoever's coming in and diffuse that pressure, that is serviceable for the national team right now. Yeah, and I was actually gonna I was gonna say as soon as I saw the squad released, I was thinking immediately that the midfield is probably the best part of this team right now. When you look at some of the names in there, I think Kurberis is good, Zeka is good, Bukalakis, we've talked about. He can be good in the right situation and in the right moment. Fortunis is slowly making his way back. Obviously, we've seen what he can do. But with the attack, there's sort of a question as to who is Greece's next real number nine going to be. And we really appreciate Risto Kasifis for asking us this question on Twitter because it's a very good one. And there are a handful of options, and I think all of them are pretty intriguing The first one that I think is really interesting to discuss, and we have some really cool metrics on, is, and forgive me if I say this wrong, Taxiarchis Funtas, who is currently playing in Austria and having an amazing season. Yeah, uh, Funtas is a really interesting prospect. And in terms of what a traditional number nine is, even a traditional poacher like Gekas was for us, he's probably the closest there is. Now, most people probably saw, or if you didn't watch the game, you saw at least the highlights about how Funtas had his first career hat trick for Rapid Vienna in the Austrian Cup game. Uh, and not just that performance. When, when teams came back from the coronavirus break and, you know, there were seven games at, at the end of the season for the Austrian season. When he came back post-corona, five goals, three assists. You know, and that's what you want to see from your poacher, from your from your striker. That is great. And he's young. You know, this is another youngster, another guy that's going to grow with the team and improve. He's not super good in buildup, unfortunately. You know, this isn't a guy that you're going to be looking to come back at the ball, maybe hold up and distribute. He's not that type of guy. He can't really cross either. I know most people really don't expect their striker to cross. You know, but when you're trying to break a defense down, especially if they're huddled in and they're kind of parking the bus, you need people to kind of move around, spread the defense around, create some confusion. And he's not really that guy, but he's having a lot of success scoring. And, you know, he's producing some assists as well, which you always like to see. He's pretty good. He doesn't do it very often, but he can take defenders one-on-one. It's not very often, maybe a few times a game max, and by a few times a game, I mean maybe three, four times. And when he does it, he's usually successful. So he's not just going to do it constantly. He's going to do it when he sees an opening or he thinks he's caught somebody on the you know, flat-footed or on an off-foot. And he's pretty successful with it. He's a very exciting prospect for the national team at striker. And uh, Lambro and I were talking about he's, he's had kind of an interesting career arc. Lambro, am I correct in saying that he was – at age 16, playing in the top ranks of Greek football with Ike. Yes, this is interesting. So the Funtas case is how I'll call this. We we really try to dive deep into like all of these Greek national team players and something upon Funtas. And you see his career started in 2012 for Ike. He played his first game at 16, the youngest player to ever start a first team game for Ike. And... and if everyone remembers that period, which was about seven, eight years ago, Ike was actually relegated and were essentially bankrupt. And Funtas was picked up by Red Bull Salzburg, where he never played, never played a game. He went on loan a few times in Austria, came back to Greece, 
played a year for Panionios, and then he was drifting. He played in Austria again. He went down to a third-tier German side before coming back to Austria. And then this season out of Rapid Vienna, Vienna excuse me, has just come out of nowhere. It's a very strange case. And he's been playing top-flight football for eight years. We talked about Rota just now breaking into the Dutch the Dutch team, Fortuna Sidorad, if I'm saying that correctly. Rota's been playing first-team football for like eight years, guys, and he's only 24 years old. It's it's a strange case. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, another another interesting case that we have for the striker position besides Puntas is uh, Pavlidis. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have been pretty excited about Pavlidis for Willem, and he's kind of a different player, much different than Puntas, because where Funtas is, you know, a Van Nistelrooy type, like we said, a Gekas type, a Raul type, Pavlidis is different. He's not quite as prolific in scoring. Now, Pavlidis is younger. Uh, he's actually what we would consider a prospect because he's 21 years old. Yeah. He's much better with the ball on his feet, much more clinical in buildup, does more. Now, he loves to take defenders on. Pavlidis loves to go one-on-one. He loves to, to make defenders try and commit, stretch the defense. This is the type of striker you would want to put in if you're trying to stretch a defense. You know, maybe you're not having much success. You're, you know, your nine, you, or your nine's not having success, or maybe you know this deep, this is a team that's going to park the bus. You want a guy that's going to try and help work around them a little bit. This guy's going to help you keep the possession. Now, he's not as successful as Funtas in taking them on. He tries a lot. Sometimes it doesn't work all the time. But you, you do like to see that out of him, especially given the context of the team he's playing with, where he gets he has a tendency to get caught out alone. He does have to make something happen. So contextually, we're not super worried about that, even though Funtas is more successful. There's some context here. And Pavlidis is still very active in a high-pressure system. He will, he you know, a Spanish coach would love him. He will run at defenders, try and force interceptions. And... I think seeing all that, he's probably more, he would probably be better for us as a second striker. Interesting. And, you know, Pavlidis is really interesting because I'm trying to think back to those Greek national team games that were almost 10 months, a year ago now. And he was one of those players who was really promising. I remember him, Rusai. What I could remember about Pavlidis is yes, he ran a lot, but he seemed a bit more. His dribbling wasn't as solid, but his finishing was solid, if I could remember correctly. It's it's so difficult. I should have rewatched games. But he he seemed like a strong finisher. His his finishing was just he had power on his shots, and it was like just surprising to see a player play like that. We've been looking for a striker to have that good finish, and it looked like he had it. Yeah, and I would love to see him, love to see him play. I do, you know, all of these strikers that we have, I really want to see more of. Now, moving on from Pavlidis, there's, there's some others that are in the picture. You know, uh, guys like Kuluris, Belgas, who isn't, I know Belgas really isn't a striker. He's, you know, a winger for Pauk. He's played on the wing. He's played at the attacking mid. He's kind of like one of those uh, uh, switchblades we like to talk about. He can play in a couple of different players. These guys, though, you know, now we're talking about in terms of the future of the national team. I know, I know that Belgas isn't on the roster for the for these specific nations league, but this is somebody that will be in consideration. He's been in consideration in the past. But guys like him and Kuluris, you know, they've always looked decent in their club careers, but they've never really done anything for the national team. Kuluris, if you remember his time in Greece, scoring. <laughs> he would be scoring even in Turkey. You know, when he went to Turkey, he had you know strings of games where he was scoring but they could that never really translated to the national team you know Kuluris is a, a striker that's really good in the air you know we've seen that even from the national team even though it never really translated to goals but he he can win balls in the air post corona he didn't really do that much in the friendlies with turkey you know after after the game but you know it might take him some time to to get back on the ball belkas is an individual again we know he's not on the roster, but this is somebody that's going to be considered for the national team in the future. He has flashes of brilliance, but then there's strings where he just does nothing for multiple games, a lot of giveaways, not really helping on the defense. You know, and by flashes of brilliance, I'm talking about the game, the, the one that comes to mind is the first Greek Cup game against Olympiakos, where he 
you know, Bach beat us in the first leg three to two. And right. he had two goals and an assist. He was all over the place. I mean, mm-hmm. had almost all of the key passes, created so many opportunities from them. And he, he looked like a, a player that could really be pivotal to this national team. The problem with him is consistency. And I think it's more of a, a mentality thing for him. Now, obviously, this kind of goes without saying. Solis, who sort of played on the wing for Falk, and we're all very excited about him. We kind of yeah. talked about him already, so I'm not really going to discuss him, uh, you know, for this podcast at least because we already have. But, you know, I think we have at the number nine position, we have like a lot of different baskets or a lot of eggs in different baskets here. Yeah, I think for sure. And Kulouis is a really interesting, interesting player. He got that big money move, if you guys remember, to Toulouse. And people really thought, okay, uh, Strange Pauk is selling him because he could be the future, their striker. If you remember correctly, Priovic, the striker of Pauk, who was fantastic for them. The championship winning team was sold. What was it, mid-season in January? I remember as an Olympiacos fan, I was so excited. Um, thinking Pauk lost their best striker. Here's our chance to come back in the league. Never really happened. But Kuluis seemed like the future of Pauk. But, of course, Toulouse came in with that big offer. They were clearly disappointed with his production as well. He did not have a great season in France. And I, I, he's a potential player for sure. He, he, he could do something in the future. But I, I don't think he's shown it yet at that top level, moving on to Paukas. Yeah, I just don't think Paukas is a striker as well. He's a 10 or a winger, as Pauk like to use him. But, you know, we have this problem in the Greek national team. We have Fortunis, Pakasetas, Mandalo, and now Paukas. And it just like seems they all play in the same role, the latinish, but they can play a little bit on the outside, but none of them are so good at it. And it's just, it's kind of, it's tough. Like when you come up with lineups, you, you want to include them in the lineups, but then when they play together, I just remember Fortunis and Mandalos and Paukas playing together. And it's just, it's, it's not good. Like it doesn't work. And it's just disappointing because they're all decent players at the position, but we just, they don't work together, which is disappointing. Yeah. I, and we will get more to the lineup uh, in a bit, but that is a very good point. They're all, they're all good players, but at the end of the day, you can really only play with one number 10. Uh, speaking of Fortunis, I do want to mention that uh, folks who listened to our last podcast will recall that we claimed that Olympiakos players would not be included in the Greek national team squad, which is, of course, Bukarakis, Masuras, and Fortunis. We, I guess, kind of assumed that they would be recalled because of Maxi Lavera's COVID-19 diagnosis, but they are obviously still here. They are training with the team, and they could very well all be included in the team tomorrow. Um, so I just wanted to make that clear for people who are confused. We were wrong last time, and we will try to make that happen less often. Yeah, Marnaki should uh, call me up, and I should be doing this management. There is no way I would let these players go out on international <laughs> duty after that. They were around a dude who just tested positive for coronavirus. This is so incredibly dumb, but I'm not going to go on a rant right now. Let's continue. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll give you, don't worry, Labra, I'll give you a chance to put your manager hat on because we have been seeing, of course, these aren't official formations, but we've been seeing what some pundits believe will be the formation for tomorrow's game. Again, this is not official. The official lineup won't be posted until uh, before the game. So this is really just the best guess. And most people seem to think that this is going to be the formation. Obviously, as we mentioned already, Barkas is most likely going to be in goal. Uh, he was at the presser. I doubt he shows up to the presser, speaks, and is on the bench. <laughs> That'll be the first time I've ever witnessed that. But yeah. in the defense, it looks like we're going to have at the right back, no surprise, Bakakis. And then center back, we've seen in previous national team games, especially at the end of the qualifiers when Benchip was uh, just kind of playing around. You know, we had nothing to lose, so he was playing around with lineups. Stafilidis is going to play at center back along with Svarnas from Aik. And Tsimikas, of course, who we know now is at Liverpool. The defensive midfield pairing, looks like we are going to go with the double pivot. Bukalaki Zeka are going to be paired together. We've seen them paired together in the past on the national team. A lot of mixed feelings about that, but, you know, we will address that. And then, of course, as far as the wings and the number 10s, looks like Limnos, most people believe, will be starting on that right wing with Bacasetas at the 10. 
and then Masuras on the left, and then our nine, most people seem to believe will be Pavlidis. Now, Lambro, put your manager hat on. What do you like? What don't you like about this rod, this lineup? Yeah, well, I don't know. Looking at Greek teams historically, it just seemed like we had a thousand center backs who we couldn't all play. We had, of course, Manolas, Socrates, Kyriakos, Papadopoulos, Avram Papadopoulos. It, it's so strange to see a Greek national team with such a weak pairing at center back. Svarnas, 22-year-old Ike center back, who's a bit undersized, and Stafilidis, who's never played center back other than on national team duty. It's very strange. Personally, I would probably start Stafilidis because, again, from what I remember 10 months ago, he seemed all right, but I, I think I'd start Silvas next to him because you want that kind of large defensive presence there. And the rest, I think Chimika Spakakis makes sense. Buhalaki Seka, again, makes sense. I like both of them. I don't know if I like them together. The wings, Lignos makes sense. I don't know. I, I, I loved seeing uh, Zolis play um, in, in that qualifier against Besiktas. Maybe he doesn't start. He comes off the bench because he's quite young. Bakasetas, I would prefer Fortunis, but I understand Bakasetas played good for the national team. And Von Chip seems like he very likes him. He very much so likes him. Masuras, Masuras scores goals. I think this team needs goals. Probably this played well in the qualifiers. That's that's how I see it. That's how I see it from the initial lineup that we're looking at. So I think this team is fine. Although if I were to make my starting 11, I would definitely include a few changes. Definitely the first thing that jumped out at me was the center back pairing. As Lambro said, you've got Stafididis who is really more of a left back. And obviously that's where he's played at Hoffenheim. So when you go into the metrics, it's quite obvious that, you know, the things that show up on his stat sheet are things that a left back does in terms of crossing and dribbling and all of this stuff. Um, Svarnas is, you know, it's good that he and Barkas will have known each other having played together. And then the same is true for Bakakis, but he's also not, really a super sound defender. He's young. He's not huge. Um, we do have Siovas on the bench, obviously, who has been with Greece for a while. He is a bit older, but at 6'4", he is a much bigger aerial threat. If you look at the percentage of aerial duels that he's won, he is much better than Svarnas, and I think he's also even better at the direct defensive duels that we were talking about with the right backs as well. So, obviously, he's you know, a bit slower now, but um, he's still pretty sound defensively from a technical sense. And he's also doing this in La Liga in Spain, whereas Farnas is playing in Greece. I think the double pivot at the midfield, I wouldn't be mad at Bukalakis and Zeka. I also wouldn't be mad at seeing Corberis come in. I think he's a, a solid player who can do a lot of things. We've even seen him play in the back line for Panathinaikos when they really need it. And then on the wings, I think Masuras is probably a good choice. I personally want to see Zolis, but I'm also just very, very excited about Zolis. So I, if I was the manager, I might start him on the right, just because I think he's going to be really good. And I want to see him thrown in there and see what he can do. Um, and Pauk, I think, most recently started him over Dimios as well. Uh, with the 10, we talked about how Bacasetas, Fortunis, and Mantaros are all pretty solid number 10 players. And then Percas as well, who isn't included in this squad. I think Bacasetas is fine, I, I, like Lambro said, but I also wouldn't be mad with seeing Fortunis or maybe even Mantaros in there. And then we already talked about the strikers a lot. I think Pavridis is probably the choice to start, but I also do really want to see Funtas even if it's just in a substitute appearance or maybe on Sunday's game and see what he can do. I do think that the most interesting case here is the number 10, looking at Bacasetas and comparing him to the other players in the team. Adi, I think you have some more metrics for us on that with what Bacasetas has done recently. Yeah, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to the roster, I, I understand why Bacasetas is included. Now, me personally, I'm not a fan. You know, I understand why he's included. We know he covers a lot of ground. 
You know, he presses and coaches value that effort. You know, Olympiacos fans, you guys remember David Fuster, not the most talented with the ball, but he's a guy that left everything on the field, worked his butt off, and Bacasetas does that. And this isn't to say that I think he's useless, because in his last 10 games in, in Turkey, he's got four goals and one assist. Again, that's okay. It's not bad. It's not amazing, but it's not bad either. So he's, he is serviceable. But here's what I don't like. For me, when, you know, with a team like Greece that historically has never been the best team at generating offense, I want players, I, especially in that number 10 role, when you're running a 4-2-3-1 that's going to flow through that number 10 role, you need a guy that can distribute. You need a guy that can open the, that offense up. And Bacasetas is not that guy. He is not an amazing passer. He can't take people on. His metrics when it comes to dribbling against other defenders are not good. I think he's had one successful dribble against a defender that I saw, and that was in six games. That's not good. That's not what I want to see for a number 10. Not a lot of key passes either. In fact, he has not had more than two shot assists. Well, sorry, there was one game I saw, but we'll say on average does not have even two shot assists per game. That means that he doesn't have more than two passes in a game that lead to a shot for a teammate. For your number 10, that's what you want him to do. Fortunis in 51 minutes in his last appearance had five shot assists. He had five passes that led directly to shots and key opportunities on goal. He has more key passes. Fortunis is way more successful on the ball, taking players on. Again, I understand why Bacasetas is there. I understand why Vonship likes him because this is something we've seen. It's very common with coaches. The effort. You want to see the effort. And Fortunis, of course, we all know, doesn't always give as much effort. But Fortunis is the better 10, much better than Bacasetas. But I am not going to get upset over a friendly seeing how Bacasetas works in this lineup. Now, as far as some of the other positions, I take issue a little bit with the center back pairing because, well, it's not just the center back pairing. Our defense on a whole, this is a regression for the national team. When we had defensive lineups, back fours, you know, the 2004 back four, uh, looking in the past when we had so, uh, Socrates, Manola, Dorosidis, and on the left, we would have guys like Zavella or Holeba, you know. We had way more working for us. That was our strongest suit. Our defense from this lineup looks weak to me. When you look at the metrics of what Socrates and Manola, from, even from their prime and how they're performed recently, compare it to Stavridis and Svarnas, I know Stavridis is... Uh, a, a left back normally, but when I took his metrics from when he played center back with the national team, it's not even a comparison. Mm-hmm. Socrates and Manola are better at everything. Everything. I mean, way more steals, way better percentages in terms of ball winning, blocking shots, everything. So it kind of scares me when I see our defense like this. And as far as the, the defensive midfield pairing, uh, you know, I'm going to echo Lambro's sentiment here. I'm not super, or, and, uh, and Peters as well. Bukalakizeka is not really comfortable. I know Galanopoulos is, is recovering. I'd much prefer to see him. Bukalakis really stresses me out sometimes in the midfield. But, you know, for, for the purposes of this, I'm curious to see how it works out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know this is a massive debate in the Greek football community about the center backs and I don't know if we really want to get into this right now because it's like almost a war about whether Manola should and uh, Socrates should be recalled. And But I, I think we're just building a community here. And, and you know, talents, as we've seen with Greek national teams, is not the problem a lot of times. It's the character and the players we have and the squad we build. And if, if we're dealing with Svarnas and stuff, you leave this at the back and yeah, they're not great, blah, blah, blah. But if the team's united, you don't have Socrates Papastopoulos going to going to the EPO and asking for the coach to be fired, that's better than... <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to say is bringing those players back, if it causes problems within the locker room, then I guess I'm fine with Stafilidis and Svarnas. And it, it's a new era. I guess we have to start looking forward, is what I would say. Yeah, and of course, you know, we're all, we always, we're willing to give them a shot. I mean, these are, as we mentioned, this is the Nations League. There's more ramifications, obviously. They're more serious than a friendly, but they, you know, most people still treat them as friendlies. So 
I'm definitely going to watch. I want to see how they work together. And if they work well together, I will be very happy to say I was wrong. Yeah, and one thing that I, I think you kind of miss when you look at this lineup is the three of Chimikas, Buhalakis, and Masuras is going to be a pivotal group of players. I think they work really well with each other at Olympiacos, or they did with Chimikas. I think Chimikas and Masuras combine really well as well. And I think a goal could come down that side, either from across from Chimikas going in, Masuras running in late to the post from across from Limnios or something like that. I think that three work really well at Olympiacos, and they could work well for the national team uh, for these upcoming games. And um, we don't want to talk about the other teams too, too much. Obviously, this is focused on Greece, but a quick preview of Slovenia, they will be missing some of their key players. Josip Ilicic, who had a really good season with Atalanta, will not be playing. Kevin Campbell, a midfielder for RB Leipzig, is also not included in the squad. We will be seeing Jan Oblak in goal, but as far as the outfield players go, potentially the most dangerous name we'll have to deal, we will have to be dealing with is Andras Sporar who has just absolutely banged in goals, both in Slovakia and in Portugal over the course of this year. He was sold to Sporting in January. And this year, he has registered 41 appearances combined between the two teams and scored 29 goals and provided six assists. So this guy is potentially someone to watch. And honestly, who knows what could happen with uh, the slightly shaky defense that will be rolling out tomorrow hopefully we can contain him and hopefully this slovenian team won't be too big of a deal for greece and a guy like sporar is more or less why i feel a little bit nervous about it because we've seen him now again you, can, you know the slovakian league isn't the most competitive we know this is something we've discussed on a previous podcast but you know he and his scoring slowed down a little bit when he went to portugal but it it still was impressive. <laughs> I mm -hmm. mean, he was still he was still scoring a goal a goal every other game, you know, it, it's which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be a handful, you know, especially with defenders, you know, the defense that we have that doesn't inspire as much confidence. So it's going to be interesting to see if we can handle uh, if they can handle a, a guy like Sporar. And then Sunday's game against Kosovo. The one player that jumps out at me is uh, Rashika, who plays for German side Werder Bremen, but that's probably another game that Greece should be winning. I definitely see us as the favorites for both of these games. What do you two think, Lambro? Yeah, this is actually something that really annoys me is when Greek media and Greek fans are really say things like, oh, we don't know. Uh, Slovenia has a decent team. They have Jan Oblak. They have this striker, Sporar. Guys, Greece won the Euros in 2004 and should be considered a top footballing nation. We should be the favorites to win these games. I know, I know they're pretty much friendlies, but if Greece wants to play top football, if Greece wants to play in a European Championship or in a World Cup, they need to beat Kosovo and Slovenia. That's that's the least that they can do if they want to compete. If Von Schipp is serious when he says we want to go to Qatar in two years, you better beat Slovenia, excuse me, and you better beat Kosovo. That, that's my perspective. I agree. I completely agree. And, you know, as we mentioned, these are basically friendlies, but there, you know, there are some ramifications, right? If you perform well in the Nations League, you can get promoted to one of the higher leagues. And getting promoted to, you know, we're in the currently the C group now. If we get promoted to the B group, it, it makes our life qualifying not necessarily easier, but it gives us more chances to qualify if we, do, if we don't do so well in the qualifying stages. So, again, in the end, does it really make that much of a difference? You know, on the margin, yes. But yeah. I want to see the guys take this game, these games seriously because I agree with you. For me, it's not, it's not oh, you know, we're, the un we're not the underdogs in this game. You know, if you look at the players, you know, especially Slovenia missing some key guys, th these teams, if we can't beat these teams, we're, you know, we're never destined to go to the World Cup. Mm -hmm. and, 
And this should be an expectation. Winning 2004, you know, as much as a lot of fans didn't like Fernando Santos for the type of anti-football they say he played, we were guaranteed. We were in every tournament with him. Yeah. You know? So say what you want about him. Say he was boring. Say what you want. But we, we were in these tournaments. We can. It's easy to complain about how we play when we're making these tournaments. But when we're losing to Faroe Islands, barely beating Liechtenstein, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And it reminds me personally of when we talked to Luis a couple of weeks back about sort of the trajectory that the Peruvian national team might be going on. Obviously, they are. They just made the World Cup for the first time in, I think, 36 years, he said, which on that scale is a pretty similar accomplishment to Greece winning the Euros. Um, and the fear seems to be there in Peru that they just sort of say they've accomplished that and then you know, b between getting complacent and just feeling satisfied, you know, things sort of go downwards. And that might sort of be where Greece is right now with going from, you know, at least being in the conversation, being always in the big tournaments to now playing in UEFA Nations League C against Slovenia and Kosovo. And we've talked, we've said it many times throughout this podcast, these are basically friendlies. And I mean, that's true most big players are probably not going to be playing in these and it's an opportunity for the managers to try things out that they haven't tried an experiment with the team and we're seeing that uh but they are still important at the end of the day and it's just about beating the teams that we really should be beating as greece you know obviously anything can happen on a given day but slovenia and kosovo this should not be a this should be something that Greece can just go out and win. Yeah, and I just want to add to that, you know, I think the last five years have been a nightmare, of course, with Greece. You already mentioned the famous cases of the Faroe Islands. You know, the standards feel so low for Greece, and I, I've seen so many Greek fans so excited about John Finchip and these young players, and this is the new generation for Greece, and I, I just really... I just really would want to pump the brakes on this. I'm not completely sold yet on this Greece, and I could see a regression. I know, I know that's not a great thing to say, and I know some people are going to be upset because a lot of people are really excited about these young players, but the back line, the center backs in particular, are extremely poor, and Greece doesn't score many goals. It's been it's been like that forever, and yes, we're getting more creativity under Von Schipp, but. I just don't know. I, it's going to be an interesting project to, to follow. I just don't know if it's going to end in a success. I hope it does, but I, I just, I need convincing, guys. Yeah, you know, Lambro, and, uh, you know, as we begin to close out here, like, I mirror your, your sentiments about this because, you know, we've been through a roller coaster of emotions, right? Yeah. Just even since, two, let's say just two, since 2010, right? Forget the Rahigal area or era, you know, when Santos first came in. Santos first came in actually was 2008, correct? For the 2008? I think so. I think yeah, so. because Rahigal got kicked out 2006 after Euro. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we've been through a roller coaster of things because we were getting used to and really just complaining about how boring our ball was, but getting used to making it in. And it wasn't just making it. We were, you know, getting into elimination stages, Euro Cup losing in the quarterfinals, you know what I mean? Losing to Puerto Rico in the World Cup, or sorry, not Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, mm -hmm. um, with uh, Joel Campbell at the time. Yeah. Was it was it Puerto Rico? Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, Costa Rica with Joel Campbell was, and yeah, Taylor Joel Navas Campbell. saving okay. the penalty. And, <laughs> you know, and so seeing seeing that, you know what I mean? We've been through, we, we know that we have the capability of getting there, you know? Yes, what... Was that the tail end of our golden generation? Yes, but we have a lot of talented players here, mm -hmm. you know? And again, I know we're, we're going to get some heat. People are going to be upset that we didn't have a favorable opinion of some players, you know, from other teams. But we're looking at this at Greek fans. There's plenty of Olympiacos players that we're not super comfortable with. As you already heard, Bukhalakis, a lot of us are, you know, we know that Martins for Olympiacos got Bukhalakis to work correctly in that system. But Bukhalakis doesn't always show up for the national team either, which is why we're kind 100%. of sketchy around him being there, 
is, yeah. you know, this segment is about us as Greek fans. What do we want as Greek fans? What do we think can happen as Greek fans? Who's going to produce? Who do we think can produce? And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I completely echo what you said. And we don't want to sound like, you know, every player who doesn't play for Olympiakos is nothing. Uh, as Adi said, we talked about how Corbetis could bring something that Bukalakis might not be able to to this team and how Fortunis is not necessarily a shoe-in to start. We talked about how there's some things that we do like about Bacasetas. And we talked about, I personally really want to see Solis in the team. I'm really excited about him. You know, I hope maybe he just decides to not really try that hard in domestic games against us. But for Greece, I want to see him become a superstar. Um, and we hope that these episodes that are sort of more general about Greece, obviously we're not going to lie about being Olympiakos fans. That is what we are first and foremost. But we hope that these episodes can be something that everybody can sort of tune in and listen to. And we really hope that we're giving everyone, all the other players, an equal opportunity. And that's also why we are trying to use as much analytics and numbers as we can, because obviously these things are not biased for Olympiakos players and whatnot. So with that being said, I think that about wraps everything up. Lambro, do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, finish off? Yeah, I just want to add on, again, like we don't want to come off as biased, but it's probably underlying there. I would say two of my favorite players in the team are actually Corbelis. I really like Corbelis as a player and Zeka. Zeka, we didn't talk about much. And I know there's there's so there's a contingent contingent of fans who don't like Zeka because he's naturalized Greek, whatnot. But Zeka gives you everything. How many Greek players give you everything? You know, sometimes they don't run, they don't give you everything. But Zeka slides, he runs, he takes elbows, and he's just a great player to watch. I, I like Zeka. But yeah, just building up on that, these segments are really great to just come together as a community and talk about our nation, our team, and the future of it. And, you know, there can be conflicting opinions, and that's great. And that that's what we want in the end of the day, to just talk about the team and try to figure out how this team will work best. And as, as always, we always appreciate feedback. We would love to hear either questions that you want us to answer or more just general feedback. Our DMs are always open on Twitter at Gate7INT. We're also on Facebook and on Reddit as well. So we would love to continue hearing what you all have to say. We would also love for you to just even say hi and let us know how you heard about the podcast or just let us know that you're interested in seeing more of this stuff or maybe more Olympiakos-focused content, which will obviously be the you know main part of the podcast in general. Yeah, and guys, if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, it'd be great if you guys could like, subscribe, rate us. It really helps us get our message out and expand this Greek footballing community. Yeah, very good point. Um, with that, I think that's about all we have to talk about. We're running a bit long, I believe. So thank you all so much for listening, if you've made it this far. And stay tuned for more episodes. We'll have the one with Stephen Koduru this weekend. And then the week after that, hopefully there will be a Greek Cup game to talk about. Until then, enjoy the next two national team games, and we will see you soon.